Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. everyone and welcome to a very special edition of the Beer Ladies podcast. I'm your host Lisa and this is our first time doing an on-site recording somewhere. So for you who watch on YouTube it's going to be a little bit different today because we're not recording video as we do this but you will be seeing things that we're splicing in so hopefully you are enjoying that but we are on site today at Rye River so we are very happy to be here so Thank you to Sarah for putting this together. We're going to be chatting with Bill, who's the head brewer here. And I am joined by Christina and Bean. So thank you, everyone. Say hello. Hi, Christina. Hi, Bill. Hi. Hi. Excellent. Really excited to have you guys here today. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. We're so so excited to be here. And thank you for giving us a tour. And we'll we'll chat more about that in a little bit. Uh, And before we dive into everything, we will say our usual thank you for continuing to like, subscribe, share, and we really appreciate any of you who want to go now and donate to our us on our Buy Me a Coffee account, which is brand new. Yay! Mm. But because this is a special edition, we really want to dive in and spend the time talking about Rye River, a little bit about some of the rebrand they've had going on, uh, all kinds of exciting stuff going on beyond that rebrand. So we're really excited to be here. So I think with that, we will uh, give it over to Bill for a few minutes to give us a little intro to Rye River and a little bit about uh, how we've come to be here. Cool. So, very welcome to Rye River Brewing Company. Um, Rye River was established back around 2013, um, but it's 2021, and um, we just took a quick walk around the brewery, and you can see that it's been a pretty impressive journey uh, across that eight years or so um, as we come towards our eighth birthday. Uh, Rye River started in Kilcock. Um, is a small little brewery, um, but we're still brewing on that small little brew house, but now on our Selbridge location. Um, we brew 2,500 uh, liter batches of beer here at Rye River. Um, very small batch, hands-on is our approach. Uh, but as a company, we've grown to 60, 63 employees at the moment um, supporting local jobs, which is, which is really cool. We're excited about that aspect of it. Um, so we've, we've made a home here in Selbridge. Um, I just walked you across the plant where you can see our brew house. Um, which is a five-vessel system, but again, it's it's very hands-on. The brewers here, I've got a team of, of 15 um, on our brew team that are, are doing all of that wort production and cellaring, getting it up to the packaging team uh, to get it out to you, um, that are all very passionate brewers um, that have apprenticed in, most of them here, to gain their experience. So coming from home brewing backgrounds, working their way up to professional brewers, um, which is great. We produce five different brands here year-round, so our brewery story is a little different in that perspective. Uh, we have um, our Rye River Brewing Company brand, which has just come to life this year, um, supported by our Rye River Seasonal brand, which is our, uh, our special releases that really show off uh, how we can push our brew house or push the raw materials. Got two very special beers in that series to talk with you about today. Um, we also then produce some, some own brands uh, like um, the Crafty Brewing Company or Lidl, uh, the Sullis range, which you can find in Tesco, um, the Grafters range, which you can find in Dunn's. And all of these offering 
some very interesting beers across all beer styles, from wits to saisons to your IPAs, your stouts, your reds, your lagers, etc. Wonderful. Thank you. And I can see Christina and Bean making all sorts of notes here. I know they have a lot of questions that were inspired from walking around the brewery, and we are going to be tasting some beer later as well. But I think uh, first I'll go over to Christina, who, who looks like she's been making some notes for her first question. I have been making notes. And actually, Bill, I'm just going to start with how you got involved in beer and brewing and, and what 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 drew you to, to making beer. Yeah, great question. Um, look, uh, as a youth, <laughs> let's just say I found myself quite interested in, in the beers uh, that were around me. I grew up myself in Holland, Michigan, um, and Michigan has a great craft brewing scene. Um, so from too young of an age, um, let's just say I had the ability to enjoy some really great beers from breweries that were all right on our doorstep. And um, I was a bit of a, of a traveling soul. And from the age of 17, I found myself starting uh, my journey across the world where I did a study abroad in Norway. And this would become the first of, of seven countries that I would travel to, live, study, or work in. And that that passion for trying uh, local products um, when I traveled let me experience a lot of great beers around the world. Um, and I've always been a big fan of support local. It's a, it's a big thing back in Michigan. Um, has been even ahead of the curve when this has kind of become a, a hashtag. Um, so I've kind of always gone that way. When I got to Ireland uh, 10 years ago, um, what does any American do but walk into the Guinness <laughs> storehouse, you know, and start sampling um, Guinness and learning a bit more about that story. It's such an iconic brand. Um, I was with a friend from New Zealand, and he jokingly said when we left, you should work there. And I was like, it's not a bad idea. I went back the next day with a CV. They're like, this isn't how this works. But <laughs> a week later, let's just say I found myself working in their visitor experience, learning a bit more about what they did. Met some great people involved in the beer industry through that opportunity. I'm talking about beer. Next thing you know, I was brewing beer in my kitchen um, in plastic buckets, <laughs> handing my uh, recipes and my uh, home brews out to brewers, you know, at St. James's Gate and uh, further afar. And next thing you know, I found an opportunity to come here to Rye River and apprentice in as an assistant brewer. And across my years here at the brewery, uh, five or six, whatever it may be at this point in time. I worked my way up to Head Brewer as we had some some changes in the story. And and now um, there's a great team. There's been some really interesting teams along the years, but there's a great team here right now that are taking the brewery in a different direction. Fantastic. Very, very interesting stuff. And and I, I like, uh, you know, how you mentioned it's, it's been this journey for yourself and for the company that uh, obviously, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the rebrand, but I think it's interesting just the number of brands, like you said, you're putting out. And I wonder, are there any special challenges that come with that? Or uh, is it ever hard to keep straight what's what's what? Obviously, there's great record keeping we can attest to having seen. But uh... um, yeah, look, you, you know, and taking it back to family, you, you love all your children, right? Um <laughs> We have a lot of different beers that we're looking after here, um, but we take a very special approach to it. Just because one's going to fall in this range or that range, we don't take any different approach to the ingredients we're going to put into it, the care we're going to put into that recipe. We start each one from scratch. We start with a water profile and, and the grist and the hops, and then we bring that to life and we give it care and we look at it and we see if we can make it better with time, and, and we pay close attention to that and it's about quality it's about consistency you probably hear me say that a few times as we touch on a few points today um but no it's for me it's interesting when i started here we didn't have a rye river brewing company brand so we were brewing four brands at the time and everybody's like oh the mcgargles beer oh the crafty beer but like nobody really knew where that home was centered and it's been a big part of the conversations um, since I took this role, being like, I'd really like to shift that back to everybody knowing that these beers that they're enjoying, where they come from, and putting our name out there. And so I think that's the big part of our next chapter. Very cool. Bean, you've got some good notes here, too. Yeah, I want to know a little bit more about these seasonals, please. Yeah, great. So the seasonals, we have just finished our third, fourth year of seasonals, I think. I 
I think so. Let me think back. Um, but basically what we decided to do was um, push the brewing limits in in our brewery and, and see what we could really explore with the seasonals. A lot of our beer is that kind of everyday beer that you can feel comfortable knowing that when you've got it in your fridge, you're going to enjoy it when you crack it. It's it's going to be enjoyable. It might challenge you a little, but it's not going to challenge you to the point that you're not sure if it's the right beer for you <laughs> in the evening. The seasonals, they play in a different space. So we launched with the Belgian Imperial Stout as the first beer that we ever released in that range. A um, bit behind the seasonal curve at the time. Um, then followed by Miami J, um, which is the one beer that we've decided to bring back every year. Miami J is your classic uh, kind of hazy IPA for us. It's, it's just a beer we've really put a lot of time and some innovative process behind, and we like seeing come back. And those processes that we pushed with a recipe like Miami J are starting to make their way into a few of our core beers, and that would be about different temperatures for different hop additions and things like that. Um, what it's been this year as it's grown into that third or fourth year is there's five seasonal releases and I don't want to just fall into the hoppy beer, hoppy beer, hoppy beer, because you know, it's going to sell. Um, that's not fun for us as brewers. Um, so this year, for example, it was Miami J, but with a twist of using different, different hop formats that are out there. So it was a cryo edition led version this year. Um, then it was uh, it was High Noon, which was a, a kettle sour, um, where we I grabbed cactus fruit um, or prickly pear and married it with blood orange in a really interesting, sessionable um, quick sour. Um, those are some of my favorite releases. Uh, the year before the kettle sour, well, we've done three kettle sours in the range so far, and we had Intergalactic Yuzu as a collab with the Yeasty Boys. Got to brew with yuzu and sadachi, some really lovely citrus fruits. Um, the year before that was Mother Pucker, and we threw so much blackberry into this beer that there was technically more blackberry than malt in the grist. And um, <laughs> this thing was uh, it was a fun one to get and to try to package. Um, then what? So after sour this year, we went on to our third release which was lupus borealis so wanting to push the boundaries of, of a lager but fill it with hops kind of on an APA, ipa level um but i took I took hops derived from lagering heritage so you have machueca which is the new zealand version of belgian sauce and um strata uh, a very trendy hop recently um but in this case it's actually it was born from an open pollination of pearl so again a a lagering hop and you brought those new exciting hops together and they really shone on top of um of the canvas of a lager I, I thought it was a great beer um this summer and then really exciting the last two releases of the year one which is sitting in front of us and i can't wait to pour out and get your opinions on so it was actually the first beer we maybe brewed this year for our seasonal range but it's only releasing now and that is embers it's our aniho barrel aged wheat wine um, so we do one barrel age release in a year, and this is a passion project. It really is. Um, but I, I've enjoyed fine tequila at times in my life. Anijo is where you actually let the tequila enjoy its life in its barrel for one to three years, and you take really different notes. So I don't know how much anyone knows about tequila barrels, but they're ex-bourbon barrels. And then they get sent to Mexico, the harshest conditions swings between hot and cold when these barrels came to the brewery i was like i'm not sure they're even fit for furniture <laughs> um but they still had that lovely bang of tequila and, and hints of, of bourbon in the background and you're like this is this is going to be great we threw one ton of smoked wheat malt into our mash ton uh with some specialty malts to create basically like a a Rausch beer or a Grzitzki dialed up to mm, 11. Yeah. Um, and like the smoke was just singing out of this after its fermentation, 10% beer. And uh, and then we threw it into these Anijo barrels, which amazingly um, subdued that smoke into a very pleasant place. And, and now you're tasting the wood and you're tasting the, the honey 
um, the citrus of, of, of good tequila, that earthy note, um, alongside all that. that we should open this somewhere. I think, I mean, we, I think, think we, we should. We have to do it. For, for Let's science. Do this. For, for science. science. Yes. <laughs> um, so again, you'll, you'll take notice here. This is a different format for us. This is a 750 mil cork and cage product. It's the one we released this way during a year. Um, it's It kind of comes out. This is your this is your Christmas Day beer. You know what yeah. I mean? This is your Stevens Day, New Year's, special occasion. Um, so in this case, look, this is a 10.5% beer that we're about to sample here today. Uh, I personally like to refrigerate the beer, but then take it out a half hour or so before I'm gonna drink yeah. it, let it start to warm up. And then as you're drinking it, it's cold at first, but it'll open up. It'll open up as you enjoy it. Um, so. We are just handing beers around. Oh, thank you. Lovely little samples. It's a beautiful color. Yeah, as well. I was just gonna say it's like, a really interesting, like a nutty brown. Yeah, brown sort of caramel color. Yeah. Yep. So again, that color comes. A lot of it comes from the the barrel itself. Um, Thank you. And uh, it was a light beer, but again, there's some there's some some malts in there that are gonna bring a bit of color to this brew as well. Um, it pours with a head if you encourage it to. Um, that'll last for a little while, again, depending on your glassware. Sorry, we're in plastic cups right now. That's, uh, <laughs> you know. But if you get your nose in there, I, I think for me what jumps up is there's a bit of smoke and a real sweetness that comes right off the nose. It's surprising. Um, I've not really seen a wheat wine released in, in Ireland before, so I was excited to, to tackle um, this brew. I was really excited with our our barrel finish for this brew as well um this has only hit shelves recently um so we're we're hoping that everybody's finding their way to it um for the holidays ahead yeah and it's interesting like you say that you you can smell that there's that smokiness there but it's not overpowering like some smoke beers can be so sometimes <laughs> yeah, yeah they can be a bit marmite but what i found with this beer is we've shared it out across the brewery um, and let everybody sample it is we haven't found it to be that marmite because the smoke sits balanced in against the characters from the barrel quite pleasantly, which I'm going to say I'm surprised by because there was one ton of, yeah. of worm and smoked wheat in there, um, which is the furthest we've ever pushed in that direction. Yeah. It's definitely just like a background of bonfire. Like yeah. that's just yeah. kind of on the, the nose, what I get from me. It's just like a lovely background of bonfire with like, the nice warm sort of sweetness that that you're talking about but it's the aroma is definitely just a lovely backbone of the smoke like it's, yeah. it is definitely not overpowering you it's very clear that there are other aromas that to pick up. yeah absolutely like sometimes i can i can be a little wary of, of the smokier beers just because again it can be so overpowering but it, you're right it's it's very much kind of in the background like you're saying it's surprising given you know, yeah. how much was in there it's yeah. a supporting role Exactly. That's the interesting thing about working with barrels, mm. is they really change in shape of release. Yeah. And you're not 100% sure where it's going to end right. up when you throw it in there. Um, but I was, I was every time I wrote about this beer in its inception stages, I got more and more excited. I just could really see this one coming together, and, and I'm very happy with the end, end product. I, I hope everyone else's as they get to try it in the years mm. and this is a beer that'll age yeah absolutely i was gonna say uh, we were speaking early about vertical tastings and i would be really interested to, to see what this tastes like in a year and two years mm. and, and down the line yeah so and we'll talk about that i'm sure you saw our shelf life room up there um there this beer this year we decided to put five years on as the shelf life um so we have six bottles sitting up there so we will get to mm. taste this beer every year as it comes up to his birthday and it's a tough part of the job. <laughs> oh, it's hard. It's hard. It must be difficult it's on you, so but you hard. wear it well. Yeah. And can I say, as a punter, like if you enjoy whiskey tastings, you will mm. probably um, enjoy yourself some any of barrel aged wheat wine with uh, a lot of friends. <laughs> don't try this. Don't go alone. Yeah, don't drink the whole bottle by yourself. Oh, it is a big bottle. Do, yeah. Well, and like on the other side, like I am, and this is so bad. I'm not a whiskey fan. Like, I would love to like whiskey. I try it every year. I think I should like it. It looks good. Can't can't get into it. Um, I really like tequila, though. 
So I'm quite fond of this in that respect because I definitely can get that sort of like sweetness that you can typically get from a Neo tequila. Um, Because I do like a Neo tequila. I mean, I like white tequilas too, but I do, I do really, I am enjoying this enough, but equally I like smoked beer. So, but it's not overpoweringly smoky because I've definitely had quite a few that are just pure, like, you know, and you know, when you're making barbecue and you can get that thing, it's like liquid smoke and you just, can just put drops yeah. in something and it's just Too like, much. poof, barbecue. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's not like that. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, we like to challenge ourselves with these brews. So aside from the technical prowess on that tiny little brew house to be able to utilize that grist and, and get it through and make this beer, um, I haven't wanted to fall into just the default of another barrel-aged stout. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at if you look at what we've done, we our first release was con, uh, a cognac barrel aged imperial brown. That was the garnet. Followed yeah. uh, the next year by a Belgian quad um, that we brewed and put into freshly emptied Buffalo Trace barrels. Um, this is the third release, and, and at the moment we're taking over and in conversations about the barrels that we will select for next year's. What what the heck is a buffalo aged barrel? Have buffalo trace. An, a nice bison, a kind yeah. bison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a great beer. We called it the herd. Um, you know, get the friends together and enjoy this beer type of thing. The herd buffalo trace is a bourbon that um, I'm quite partial oh, to from back home. Okay. And um, my brother is quite a bourbon drinker. Okay. And you know, there's a list of about three or four bourbons that if I saw my brother. I count on that we're probably going to taste at some point or maybe we visited the distilleries together at a point in time and so pretty much when i was working on that recipe i had my brother in mind and i had those occasions where we get together and those memories from the next day or the smells from the glass in the sink or whatever and that helped inspire that part of that recipe oh i'm really glad i asked now (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty enjoyable yeah, it's, it's great when you have an attachment to something. It helps you really see the vision and how you want to drive it forward. So when I used to go back to New Zealand when I was living there, um, I was running a small country pub and hotel um, in Springfield. And one of the things that uh, everybody at the bar really enjoyed was I would come back with some um, bottles of Patron. Um, it wasn't really something that was was making its way into our grocery stores at the time, you know, to pick up from the liquor store or anything. So those would come back. They'd be a bit of a treat. We'd always have a laugh. There were a few things that were said about the bottles and, and all of this. And so, again, it was that's part of where my head was at when I was thinking about this recipe. But then on the flip side, all of our brewers love Roush beer. Mm-hmm. And Fierke recently had been working on a lot of Brzezinski recipes. Yeah. And we really enjoyed some of his pilot brews and his home brews. And it was like, let's not take the Roush beer approach where you're using smoked barley. Let's take what we're learning from beer crew with the smoked wheat right now. And then we dial that into this barrel aged beer. I mean, it's definitely like a very evocative beer. I don't, I don't, do you know what I mean? Like you can kind of, besides that it's called Embers, which I just think is the kind of perfect name. Like you just can imagine yourself, you know, we all know winter in Dublin or winter in Ireland, it's rainy, it's cold. I can see myself you know, having a glass of this at night, the fire on, in the middle of winter, just kind of chilling. It's really warming from the inside. I really kind of like, really enjoy what you were going for with this. I think it really hits the nail on the head here. And I'm really enjoying sort of the whole sensory experience from the aroma to the flavor profile. I I like the bottle. I like the name. It just kind of all really meshes well together. I think you've done really well with this. Thank yeah. you very much. Ticks all the boxes. And and speaking of collabs, you, you've also got, uh, instead of the sort of typical collaboration here about where it's a brewery with another brewery, you are doing a collab with a molster. So I wonder if you could chat about that a bit. Yeah, cool. Great question. So uh, Dean and Fierke and I are just back from a visit to Crisp Maltings. Um, Crisp is the molster that we work with most prominently um, for our raw materials. And, and they're one of the world's um, top 10 largest maltsters. Um, but they're UK-based. Great Ryber is is the site. And um, we've built a great relationship working with Crisp over the years. And one of the reasons we were drawn to Crisp in the beginning was our brewery has a very special relationship with the malt Maris Otter. Mm. Maris Otter is it's a UK kind of heritage malt. But we started using it for Warminster because they were still taking the traditional hand malting approach. Um, hard to find 
hand malted malts these days mm-hmm. um, that are consistent and great quality and that can produce enough for a brewery like us. Um, when we moved on from Warminster, Crisp actually had the number 19 heritage malts as well. Um, so we were still able to keep that going for recipes like Big Bang, and which we might talk about later. So we, we were interested there, and then we found out they had a great set of offerings, and we built up a friendship. Um, I toured their facility um, as a part of getting to know them a couple years ago, and they have a very interesting piece of equipment there called the Rep. And RevTech is it's basically a micro maltings finishing unit for specialty roasters. So they can take about five to six tons of malt at a time. And in this, if you're ever bored, Google this <laughs> RevTech, okay? You'll, you'll see it. it. It comes up. It's very cool. It's this, it's basically this spiral where hot air is being pushed in and it's two motors um, put on angles against each other. So as they work, they're actually agitating this machine. And it forces the malt in an upward journey through these spirals, blowing hot air at it. And they can take a very controlled approach to finishing off the roasting level of that malt. Um, I saw it and I was like, we'll play with that one day. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to get a chance. So obviously we've built such a great relationship with um, Crisp up over the years. Um, It finally got to the point where I was like, When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Can we come over? Can we play with this thing? Um, because I knew they were starting to play with it and experiment with it. We we trialed some of their toasted naked oats that they were doing on oh, it wow. in yeah. a brew. And I was like, okay, I'd like to make a brown malt. And I'd like to make a special beer for the end of the year. So we've named it Revelation. Um, Fear Dean and I and the guys from Get A Brew uh, brought us over to meet our friends at Chris. We made a Rye River special coffee malt. So I'll pass this around. This is kind of the spec sheet that you can see of what we ended up making on the day. Um, everybody have a look there. And it's it's a coffee malt that's a bit more on the edge of modern coffee as opposed to your traditional roast-driven forward coffee. Um, and Sarah's modeling a bag um, from the experience there. Um, so, you know, when you think about, you know, the old hipster walking in for the fresh cup of joe these days, it's, it's not just the roast that you know, our parents knew and loved. There might be some nutty notes, some fruity notes, some things like that. So we kind of wanted to push a brown malt that direction. We selected a certain type of barley for the project, um, one of their uh, clear choice malts, which would have less polyphenol content in it, um, to allow us to maybe put a slightly smoother finish on the roasting process. 
and then we sent it through and we adjusted the temperatures once or twice on the day till we, we found that sweet spot of where we finished this malt out. And then we let that be the inspiration for the recipe that's coming. Because we said modern coffee, um, I also made the decision to throw in a Belgian monastery ale strain because again, you'll, you'll be pushing those those kind of plum and fig notes. Again, some, some fruit notes that might kind of spice up that, that roast there and let it finish in a different place. So Revelation here, it's a 7.1% brown ale. Um, wow. Launch. Launch indeed. Hillary will be having more brown ales. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Wonderful. Oh, wow. We do love to wish things into existence, and here <laughs> they are. The malt on that is really nice. It's got a nice malty backbone. Enjoy that. Yeah, this is a malt-forward beer, and the malt sits there first, and the yeast is on the nose, right? And then there's a bit of the malt on the nose. Then the malt is the flavor. Um, it's a Belgian beer. We did do some interesting um, sugar additions, latent fermentation to boost that ester, and also dries the beer out as well, um, like a lot of Belgian approaches to brewing. Um, so you've got you've got a really interesting take on a brown ale. It's not your classic brown ale by any means. Um, yeah. But I didn't. We didn't want to call it a Belgian brown this year. I called it just a brown ale because I want you to actually be surprised when you crack open that can yeah. or into your glass, as opposed to walking up to it with all the expectation. Yeah, and it's so interesting because we were we were chatting as we were walking around about like like you said, you guys have a lot of things that are fridge fillers, which is great because you want that consistency, and we we will double down on that in a few minutes. But yeah, this is so unexpected. It's it's definitely a very like it's a brown ale, but I would never expect this flavor from it. It's it's got that 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 sort of you know underlying kind of malt backbone, but then yeah, very coffee kind of very dry too. Mm -hmm. Especially like you're saying, I think of so many brown ales, and we will have a brown ale episode dropping sooner rather than later. But you know, so many of them are a little more on the sweet side, so it's it's a really you know like I say a bit of a departure. Interesting. Yeah. And and coming from you, I have a question: How because you've you've presented us with some really amazing seasonals how influenced do you find yourself with trends or do you or do you just kind of say you know what i'm gonna make what i'm excited about it might happen to align with what's happening it might not or are you or are you as a brewery more cognizant of hey you know these things seem to be getting more interest people seem to be picking up on this maybe i'll take that and then put my own spin on it or you know a little column a a little column b yeah, look it's a, it's a great question um so with the seasonals, I, there's definitely been a choice to sit there and not just fall into following suit. Hmm. Okay, so that was that's an effort that I've, I've greatly tried to maintain in, in variation across the five releases every year. Don't kind of want this to be your stock standard. Uh, this is what the kids are doing. We're doing it too. So you will see, obviously, it's going to feature you know, an IPA or a double IPA or something like that now and again, because they're also fun beers to brew. Yeah. We enjoy drinking them. Um, so by all means, that's going to be a part of it. But we didn't want to fall into that's going to sell. So that's all we're going to do. I like I like pushing this. You're right. A brown ale, a lot of people in the brewing community talk about them. We love them. But are they the things that fly off the shelf? Unfortunately, no. But they but should be. They should, should be. be. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, we, we fully support yeah. you. And our brewers, you know, scream for brewing more brown ale, more stout, things like that. That If you really have let your palate love beer, um, there's a lot of great traditional styles to, to get to know and to explore. And, and we're open to all of that. Um, so, no, we, we try to not get caught just in trends with these releases. Um, but that being said, we also have fun. Like just the other day, I sent a survey out to all the brewers and said, of every brand that we brew, what beer would you kill? If you killed <laughs> it, what would you create? Yeah. And just for a fun conversation, with no expectation to do anything with it, but to start a really interesting conversation. And then that's going to be a lot of where we look for our inspiration for 2022. I love that. I love that concept of that's what so would you kill and what would you create? So it's making a space for something else. I think that's wonderful. And I think it's actually a really good segue to talk about your quality control process, which I have to say, I was completely blown away. I think it is just absolutely amazing. I've never seen anything like it. So if you could give our listeners just kind of a brief overview of what you're willing to share about your quality control process. Yeah, great. Um, so we've touched on a couple keywords there. You mentioned fridge fillers. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I, I think 
I was talking to one of our brewers the other day. He's, he's one of the newer guys to the team, um, Kyle, and uh, we were having an honest conversation. He's like, I try a lot of beers from different breweries, and, and sometimes I find that I struggle to finish yeah. the beer. And he's like, but I was thinking about our beers. He's like, I find them really all quite drinkable. And I was like, yeah, and, and that's an interesting you touched on. We really want you to enjoy the beer enough that you want to come back to it and that you're comfortable knowing that's a good one to have in my fridge because sometimes you might try that new one. It's generated a bit of hype, but you, you might not find yourself wanting to get quite to the bottom of the can or check and share it with a friend. Um, so in that respect, that's, that's a big part of our approach. And then we are now producing as a brewery near 35,000 or so, give or take, um, hectoliters uh, this year. Um, so to be doing that, quality and consistency are key. If you pick up that beer this month and you pick that beer up in six months, I want you to know that it's the beer that you enjoyed and that's why you came back to it. Hopefully, though, you're picking it up every week. But, uh, <laughs> but on that front, so we've invested a lot into that. Um, one of the things we're going to do in a minute, you can see you, you came on the right day, a Friday. <laughs> um, every Friday at Rye River, we take every beer that uh, was packaged during the week, and we put it on a table. We pour out anywhere from six to ten samples, and anyone who works in the brewery is welcome to walk by. And we have a very simple scoring sheet sitting on the table next to it. Um, where we're asking you to grade the beer on aroma, taste, and aftertaste, um, each section, um, with a score of 1 to 5, okay? And that score for that beer, it needs to average 4 or above to not be questioned and just be like, yep, things are sitting about right. It can be challenging because some people bring their perceptions of, well, I don't like that beer style to the table. And and you've got to manage that too. Um, But other people are coming to it and they're like, Okay, I know I know this beer a little. Um, does that taste right? And and all of that. And so so we we get through that, which is why we have you know a pool of tasters um, that are random, and we're just making sure that at a glance everything's okay. Then the rest of that case of beer gets set aside so that all the staff can grab one or two on their way out the door, um, take them home, and it also allows us to know that everybody has access to try and the different, you know, 26 or 30 recipes we brew here during the year. So that just keeps everybody in the know. Two cases get selected, though, with every run. Another case goes up into our shelf life room. And upstairs, we actually keep a case of every packaged product that we do during the year. So I can do vertical tastings through the year and see if three months, six months, nine months, and 12 month beer taste the same or taste or aging gracefully. Um, we can do, if we ever got a quality complaint, we can go straight there and say, okay, what's going on? Is this a, is, is this valid or not? Is this a concern? What's happened? We can go back through the brewing records as well because we keep all of that. So we can check the pH, the gravity. We can run a PCR test to see if there's an infection in the beer um, or anything that would be of any concern. And then we can respond very honestly back to the person. Um, we also... Uh, at 12 months, at 15 months, and in this case, at five years with embers, for example, we'll do an end-of-shelf-life assessment on the beer as well and say, you know what? That beer does hold up to 12 months, which is why we have 12 months on our average products here because we taste them and we're like, yep, for a 12-month-age beer of that beer, that is in a good place. And so, again, just, just making sure that we're checking things over. And so it's like the NCT of beer. <laughs> <laughs> And for, for those not in Ireland, the, there's a national card test to make sure that everybody's com- complying with the emissions levels and, and safety and, and stuff like this. And so do you, every year you get out a bunch of beer and just go through and smell it? Or do you run it through the lab equipment? Or how do you test it? Yeah, cool. So we do it monthly um, in terms of doing the 12-month assessment. So it was only yesterday that I was doing um, a 12-month assessment where all the beers are lined up on the table. And what we also do, um, what we've started doing as well, is I do the sensory on all of those. Um, We've also started doing random spot checks for a couple of them on pH, just as an assessment, to make sure that that maintained. That would be a big sign of something changing. Um, And, yeah. And otherwise, if it's a vertical tasting, for example, I would get more involved than myself. 
um, because that's a, that's about opinions um, and everything. But in terms of the, the sign off to the twelve months, I'm happy to be to take that on myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little sacrifice. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's so interesting too because you know some of it too is about kind of the maturity and scale of the market because obviously. If, Obviously, to, to people who live outside of Ireland, you may not know, but here you will see the, the Guinness quality team driving around, checking pubs, making sure they're cleaning their tap lines, et cetera, et cetera. Some of them still don't. But again, that's a, that's another story. We can't control that. But, uh, you know, we were chatting earlier that there are a lot of, you know, smaller, you know, craft breweries here in Ireland who can't necessarily get to that consistency. And it's, again, some of it's just scale. Some of it is kind of maturity. So it's really exciting to see the investment in that quality control side. We, we hope everyone gets to the point where they have the, the resources to, to do that, certainly. But it, it's, you know, you, you, you can tell. It makes a difference. Ireland's a really interesting country to live in because of the presence of Guinness yeah. um, and Diageo. And actually, that, that care to draft tech that they brought forward has actually helped a lot of breweries to try to, to mimic that and yeah. that. So we do as well. We do try to get out to our accounts and offer them the ability to aid them in, in keeping their lines in good nick and all of that. Um, should they want that service and all of that. Um, and that's not offered globally. By no, any no, no. So no. It's, it's, a really, it's a really cool um, thing that that has brought about in this country. In the immortal words of Monty Python, now for something completely different, <laughs> I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent. And I'm going to ask you about, I mean, from a consumer's perspective or from someone who's you know even passionate about craft beer, brewers are often front and center in the, the conversations about breweries. And um, we're speaking with Sarah and other things. I just like to, for you to give our listeners just an overview of who else is so essential to making a brewery work and how those people play a role in the brewery and who those people are in your brewery. Yeah, look, wow, what a, what a great <laughs> question. And one that's very different from, I think, the way that everybody stares at a brewery this day and age. It's it's much bigger than just a couple people making beer. Yeah. Um, like we mentioned, we have 63 employees here driving this company forward. We have a management team um, that works closely together to make a lot of decisions, and that's men and women working side by side. Um, you've got Pam and Peter and sales. I'm oh, sorry, Samantha and Peter and sales. You've got Pam and Sarah and marketing driving these things um, forward so everybody gets to see about them. Tom Cronin, our founder, um, director, um, is, is a brilliant guy who's been a pleasure to work with, very inspiring, um, and, and watching this brewery's story um, take shape, some seas taking control in the director's seat has been really exciting. Um, Damien, uh, who is our plant manager, um, when I started brewing, was an assistant brewer. And a very passionate, very, very incredible mind in, in terms of process efficiencies driven. And it's been amazing to watch him as he's gone from assistant brewer to brewer to our plant manager to how that's helped drive this brewery forward. And he's, he's been massive in, in driving us towards BRC certification, um, which is a thing that we're very proud. I think we're the only independent Irish craft brewery in the country to hold BRC accreditation, um, which is a quality standard that lets you know that we care about everything from the minute it comes in the door till it's going out the door to you. It's about traceability. It's quality standards. It's it's great. And it was a, because our brewery was so along in its journey when we introduced that it was a lot of work to bring everything back in line to such a standard um he's done that with the help of brian uh who's a who's kind of our compliance uh officer i guess if, in in that respect um the two of them are actually running around the place like mad things at the moment as, as we get ready for our next audit for that um you know but again like we welcome the audits because it's what lets us tell you that you can count on the beer that's coming from here going out to you being being great and enjoyable um the finance team you know what i mean there's a lot to making sure that the that the everybody's paid along the way that we're paid along the way you know what i mean so you've got james the cfo and you've got his team in the offices be it gosha joanna orla 
Um, Donna, who will be coming back, our production planner. Mandy, oh my god. Yes, don't worry. I, Mandy gets the biggest <laughs> high five. Oh my gosh. Mandy, our production planner, her mind and how she can make it all come together. She is constantly playing Tetris. <laughs> and um, I tell you what, never go one on one Tetris against Mandy. She, will, <laughs> she, she can make the pieces fit. I mean, you know what I mean? So, so like I said, Graham, our, our, our plant manager, or sorry, our production manager, you saw him um, on the walk around uh, keeping the guys on track with all the different packaging formats, the samplers. We're running a bottling line. We're running a kegging line. We're running a canning line. Those can all be running side by side, as well as the guys doing brewing and the, uh, the celery. Um, like I said, I've got a team of 14 brewers and then a quality technician in there, Jessica. Who's, who's doing our lab testing and all of that. So it's a big team that brings everybody together, but, you know, and, and we're 24-7 now. Um, so about any time you come and knock and somebody in here is working hard <laughs> to, um, to make some great beer. And I think that's really important to highlight, that it's not just brewers or people that you kind of see as brewing that makes up the brewery. There's so many parts and pieces, and I think... Um, if you're interested in becoming involved in the craft beer world, you don't have to be like, well, you know, I came from this from home growing. You can, you can say, well, you know what? I came from this from finance or I came from this from social media or I came from this in management. There's so many ways to get into the craft beer world if that's something you're passionate about. And that's just in the doors of the building. I think mm-hmm. the thing I forgot to mention is then you've got our amazing sales team out there fighting in such a competitive market. You've got Dave hitting the pubs and Joe and you've got, the guys in the retail stores, Kira and, and, and um, Roy. Roy and uh, Karen and Cork. Barry Fitz. Barry Fitz. I mean, yeah. and, and legends. I mean, these guys, the passion they bring. It, you wish the pandemic and the circumstances of the last two years lived so you can find yourself again sitting in the corner somewhere, having a chat, hearing their perspective on everything, because there's not, there's not a more kind of passionate group of people about making sure our stuff hits shelves or hits pubs in the right way, but then also... What a great group of people to lend your ear to, to hear about what everything yeah. else is, is doing and happening. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think related to that, too. Yeah. Um, and I, we're going to wrap up soon, but I, I'm just really curious because I know you guys have been expanding and expanding. So how many people, and again, this is why it's related, does it take to figure out how do you get new tanks in? Like, what is that? What does something like that take? Because obviously that's happening. I hear a lot of laughter now, but ju- just curious because I, I feel like that must be a huge effort. Every time you're like, lads, we need space. What, what yeah, happens? Yeah, it's true. I, you walked around the brewery and we about crammed something to every corner. And when we moved here, we're like, ah, this feels so good. We'll have space forever. And, you know, we're a couple of years in the journey and we're, we're, you know, pushing things into the corners already, which is great. Um, no, so we got... Two new tanks. I'm um, recently 200, 200 works of fermentate, 200 hectoliters worth of fermentation vessels. So two 100 hect tanks. Um, oh, it takes a lot. You're yeah. first you you go over the plans with um, in this case Blackwater, who have done a lot of our designing and manufacturing of tanks in the last couple of years. We work closely with them. We approve the plans. They come up. They look at the site. We're like, okay, we can lift out with the crane there. We do all of this, and and it's a it's a fun day to watch. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like it's the biggest Christmas present you've ever gotten. Um, and these things, and then there's all the installation, the plumbing to make them work. There's the sign offs right now. Those two tanks that you just saw, they both got their first brew in it, so that's very exciting for us. They work. They're not springing leaks. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's all a bit of fun um, right now. I think. Uh, a lot of heads in this brewery are staring at Q1 of, of next year because we've got a 1.5 million um, investment in a new packaging line um, coming on site. And that's going to be the biggest commission we've done on this site since we commissioned this site. Right. So that's pretty exciting. Um, but it's a part of this brewery story and our plan to to keep growing and, and be in that brewery that you can look forward to enjoying a beer from in Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a team effort, which I think is really important to highlight. So thank you, everyone. I'm going to see if there are any last questions from either Bean or Christina. Oh, I'm happy. I'm impressed. It takes 63 and more people and only one out of five of maybe those are brewing and more out on the road. And there's and so many good brands. That then you see these things recipes. at your local Little or Tesco, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you can be like, I know someone who was involved in yeah. making that happen. It's really yeah. cool. 
Yeah. No, I, yeah. Look, and it's it's great when we can get an opportunity to invite some interested um, people like yourselves and like the craft community is such a great community. We've been missing it yeah. <laughs> so yeah. much in the last two years. So we'd love to see some events start to come back. Uh, we'd love to welcome people in. We'd love to see that you're passionate and, and um, hopefully enjoying what we're doing. Um, so thank you very much for calling out today. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you all, and we're really impressed with the, the initiative that you're driving to draw attention um, to, to the beers that are being made and the breweries that are working hard to do it. Oh, well, thank you so much. So we'll wrap up there. So thank you to Bill, and thank you to Sarah, who is doing all this work in the background. So again, this does not go unnoticed. Thank you so much. Uh, once again, thank you for continuing to like, subscribe. You can buy us a coffee now. We are at Beer Ladies Pod on essentially everything now. So thank you so much. And we will go and taste a little more beer and we'll put it out on the socials how we liked it. But we're, we're very happy so far. So thanks again to Bill and Sarah. And we will see you next time. So, bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 